0: One Verses one through nine. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. "What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O oh, Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink, and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word and just pray that you'd help our pastor to communicate what it is that you've hidden in these uh, um, portions of scripture for us to uh, to learn from and help us to apply it in our life. We just thank you for this day and this beautiful, sunshiny weather. We thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
1: morning again. Uh, We'll be staying in Proverbs 31 if you want to stay there in the scripture for the rest of our time together. Um, We're going to see this morning that as we finish this sermon series in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is winsome. It is appealing. Nine weeks ago we began our series uh, and we heard these words from chapter 1. Verses 1 through 6, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So, King Solomon, he's setting out to write this book of Proverbs to God's people, to call God's people to heed the call of wisdom. To follow wisdom is to turn back to what God created in creation as good a communion or a creation ethic. In communion with God, away from foolishness and corruption of the fall. And some of the consequences of the fall that we've seen are death, harder work, strained marriages, broken families, and relationships. And at the end of his life, Solomon is recounting the words of his mother, Bathsheba, crying out as a mother, right? Choose wisdom, my son. Receive life, my son. Consider God's good creation order and set away foolish ways. Solomon, as you know, did not set aside all of the foolish ways that he was participating. He's saying to the reader as he closes this book, listen and learn from my mistakes. Providentially, our reading plan this past week had us in Psalm 53. You might have caught these words. It says, For the fool says in his heart, There is no God. Where fools discard God and his word, and fools suffer the consequences of doing so. As Dave just read for us about this failed king, he's rehashing and remembering the words of his mother to encourage us as readers Like a mother crying out, what are you doing? Don't be a fool, don't be drunk, don't live as the world lives. Live justly, be righteous, and be loving. And so desperately Solomon is telling us, there is hope. And so Proverbs, will finish as we'll continue in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. You're probably familiar with how this book ends as a perfect example of hope and wise living. It's appealing. Wisdom is winsome. We'll conclude our study by seeing three things in this text. That wisdom is winsome. It's a tongue twister. Wisdom is winsome because it's valuable, it provides blessing, and it leads to worship. But let's pray one more time before we see what God's Word says for us this morning. God, we thank you for your words. We thank you for uh, even the ways that you redeem foolish men like Solomon to instruct and guide us. And so would you instruct and guide us this morning would you teach and rebuke and correct us, train us for righteousness, so that we might be equipped for every good work. God, we thank you and we praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said Solomon was writing this, but it says King Lemuel, right, in verse 1 of chapter 31. And so some scholars believe that Lemuel is a distortion of Solomon's name, kind of emphasizing the brokenness of his nature, corrupted even with his name. And he's just pleaded with the reader for you and I to be aware, to be wise. And this man with all the riches of the world, with an abundance of wisdom at the end of his life has lived foolishly and he is not wanting us as readers and the people of Israel to follow in his ways, acting like a fool. But then we get a stark contrast of this excellent woman or this excellent wife there's a survey of her in verses 10 to 31 let's read them and then we'll see what it says for us an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain she does him good and not harm all the days of her life she seeks wool and flax, and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night, and provides food for her household, and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength, and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp goes n- not out. Sorry, her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor, and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow, for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the way of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So we've seen for the last 20 chapters or so, just bite-sized nuggets. We've seen these simple yet profound nuggets of wisdom. Some appetizers to set the table for the main course that we see this morning in our text. Look at the description of the woman again. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. And this excellent woman is more valuable than incorruptible jewels. Her worth is not based on what she provides, but rather who she is. It's not the king. The man, the head, or the leader, it's a woman. It's the sort of thing that Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 1.19 when he quotes Isaiah, I, God saying, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. We would expect the king to be the example of wisdom, especially Solomon, right, who has been given an abundance of wisdom by God. But it's the wise woman who blesses her husband when proper headship should have been the way that things came about. In verse 11, it appears almost a casual mentioning of her husband, but I think it underscores her excellencies. The text says her character is gain. Literally, it's a plunder, economic thievery for her husband thousand wives, as Solomon had, is a lot more than one. By 999, I think. Consider the contrast of foolish Solomon. This man's one wife makes him blessed beyond all measure. With one wise and excellent wife, this man has plundered the storehouses of wisdom." This is about wisdom and the immense value that wisdom has as we finish up our study. There's a video that's been circulating on social media over the last couple months. And a man who's been in prison, he's lost his family, was uh, suffered from drug addiction. And he's sharing his story. This random person, I guess, was interviewing him on the streets of New York. So he's collecting trash. He recycles bottles and cans and finds things that he can go pawn and make some income from himself. And he starts to contemplate his life. And he starts to share God's transforming work in his life. And he starts to laugh with joy. Because of the immeasurable grace that God has given him, standing on the promises of Scripture. And the interviewer, he eventually asks him, So, when you get to heaven, what will you ask God? And the man, he starts to cry. He says, What I would say to God, Who am I that you would choose me? his tears of joy as he considers the extraordinary gift of grace that he has received from God. And he says, I would thank my God because he has been great to me. Homeless, he knows he has a home. Poor, he knows that he's rich. What the world might consider a fool, this man in the video is very wise. Wisdom is winsome because wisdom is of utmost value. Look at the benefit that the husband receives from the excellent wife who is wise, more precious than jewels and no lack of plunder. Her character is amazing, but so is her work ethic. Can look at verses 12 to 23 again? She's a busy woman, right? She rises early to work, she conducts business, she buys property, she plants a vineyard, is generous, she makes her own clothing. On top of that, she's not afraid of winter, she's not afraid of snow. This is no Mother's Day text as an example of how a woman should live, but her work ethic reminds me of a stay-at-home mom, right? If a stay-at-home mom had time to write a resume it would say something like this excellent wife, a taxi driver, chef, nurse, house cleaner, judge, jury, counselor, receptionist, plumber, electrician, math tutor, English tutor, science teacher, and personal assistant, right? Many of you have been there. But this excellent woman is just doing her work as directed by God in creation. She works hard. She's fruitful. She multiplies, she fills the earth, she subdues it and has dominion. And God said for them, Adam and Eve, in Genesis chapter 1, to do those things. Now, it wasn't just directed to Adam, it was to the woman and the husband. But after the fall, work becomes hard. It's hard work, but it's good work. And it's also for men and for women. And again, ironically, the woman is the example of wisdom, not the king. And that's where we find the second reason that wisdom is winsome. First it's valuable, and verse 23, look at it, it says it provides blessing. Her husband, the interjection comes in about her husband. When her husband is known in the gates, when he sits among the elders of the land. In ancient Israel, the gates were the place that was the civic and also economic center of the day-to-day life and business of the area. And there was where the leading men would gather, similar to maybe a sugar house in March, around here. And this wife's winsomely wise character contributed to her husband's reputation. Her character blessed her husband. And this isn't about men and women, but rather of the winsome nature of wisdom. There's blessings to others when we are wise. The high regard at the gates here is the emphasis. But this was, what this doesn't mean is this is the kind of woman that a single man needs to find to marry or a playbook for single ladies or you young girls in here to emulate once you are married. This is the capstone of wise living modeled after God's good created order while living in a world affected by sin. Following God's commands produces life, it also produces joy, it produces blessing for the woman, but also for those around her. It's valuable, provides blessing. This woman is an example for all of us to follow. And the son of the king and a young man are constantly being addressed, right, throughout the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs doesn't mean that this book is only for men, either. This excellent wife contrasts the wicked and adulterous woman in Proverbs chapter 7. And then we learn about in Proverbs chapter 8 of Lady Wisdom. This is who we are to pursue. And here Lady Wisdom again rises as the excellent wife. Wisdom is personified as a man. Not, I'm sorry, personified as a woman. Not as a man. Contrary to God's created order of leadership in the home. And I believe Solomon is doing this on purpose. Paul would reiterate similar ideas in 1 Corinthians 1, to 29. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring, about, bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Wisdom is wisdom, wisdom is winsome because of its value and its blessing. I should have chose a different word that was easier to repeat over and over again. Finally, wisdom is winsome because it leads to worship. The wife's work continues until we get another interjection, this time of her children and her husband again. The goal of Proverbs is to find lady wisdom. And when one does, it leads to worship. Look at verses 28 and 29. It says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Her children cry out and get to express the blessing of wisdom. And this is conveyed as shouts of joy and gladness. Shouting is a result of joy that we receive. It's a result of finding wisdom. And the other result, as we see, is praise. It's the same word where we get our word hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. John Piper calls praise the consummation of joy. C.S. Lewis says we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. Many will enjoy fall fo- fo- foliage. Foliage. I said that last week too. Fall foliage soon, and they will come exclaim over and over again, "Wow." We cheer for our favorite sports team. We shout when they win the game. We clap at the end of a kid's concert or our favorite band because we enjoyed it. When winter is over and mud season is dry, we will all be very excited again. Farmers are excited that the sun finally decided to come out. They were excited to go and cut their hay recently. Wisdom is winsome because it helps us to meet our chief end in worship. In the garden, we were created for that perfect communion with God. We were created for fellowship with Him, and we were also created to worship Him. Next week, question two of our catechism, we'll give you a preview, is what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Friends, that's what we were created for. Psalm 37.4 calls God's people, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your hearts. And friends, God is the desire of our hearts that we long for. But corrupted by the fall, our greatest longing is limited. Our greatest longing for worship is hindered. But when we are wise, we can't help to worship because that's what we were created for. A wise life that follows God's word brings us to that end. Wisdom can't help but praise and cry out when things are restored from the fall. Again, Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 and 31. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one boast. Let no one who boasts, sorry, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word boast means to pride oneself in or to give something glory. And when we discover and we embrace Lady Wisdom, we can't help but rise up and call her blessed. And that's where we come to the close of this great book of Proverbs. Wisdom is winsome because of its value, its blessing, and its praise. But we have two more verses, right? Look at those. Take a look at this application for the entire book. Speaking of Lady Wisdom, or this excellent wife, one more time. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Charm and beauty aren't bad things. But the fear of the Lord is of greatest value, blessing, and praise. Fear of the Lord is a repeated idea over and over in the book of Proverbs. And we saw that as we looked at the first six verses of chapter 1 of Solomon's intention of writing. But in Proverbs 1.7 it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He also says in 8.13, fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 10.27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. 14.26, the fear of the Lord In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. 14.27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. 15.16, better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Or 15.33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes from honor. Fearing God is... Is wisdom. And as this book closes, the final words of this book call us all to fear the Lord. And this excellent wife is doing that. That's why she is valuable. That's why she provides blessing. That's why it leads us to worship. When we believe God, we fear Him and it leads us to revere Him and honor Him. That's joy for the Christian, right? But for the non-Christian, I think it's rightful dread. Cling Lemuel started the chapter as the Bible started with Adam. Adam was treated like a king. He was told to reign over God's creation. He was made in God's image and likeness, implicitly giving Adam sonship to the king of the world, the universe. Adam was charged to serve and protect God's creation. Adam was called to exercise God's own authority over God's world. And Adam took up the royal role in God's realm, but only for a short stint. He didn't believe God, and thus he failed to take the blessings of Eden, like we talked last week, to the rest of creation. And in Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve, they did not fear God. But it doesn't end with Adam, though, right? God continued to keep his end of the promises. Noah believed God. He built an ark and was thus blessed to preserve a people that would bless the world. Adam, or Abraham eventually, was called and he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness even though he was never called a king. He is told that kings would come from his descendants. Building a boat when it's never rained in the middle of the desert and being told to leave your land to go to another place would seem foolish, right? But believing God is wisdom. Moses believed God when he was told to go to Pharaoh and say to let his, God's people go so that they could become, as we saw last week, a kingdom of priests to bless the nations. David believed God and not only his heir Solomon who's writing these words in Proverbs but the promised king who would come in that line to deliver God's people from the consequences of sin and the affliction that they suffer To stand up to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, as a slave, the weakest and the youngest of a man named Jesse to be a king, God humbling himself to become a man, sounds foolish, doesn't it? But to believe God is wise. Christ came for his people. He humbled himself as the second member of the Trinity, forever existing, glorified in heaven, humbled himself for you and for me, setting aside those glories of heaven to live a perfect life, to die a sinner's death, to resurrect, to give you and I a life that God calls us and wants for us as he created in the gardens that we might simply believe and receive that. Many believe that Jesus is a real person, that he died, but still don't believe that he is God, that he rose from the dead. They don't believe the gospel, the good news that God saved sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So do you believe that when God says he will save his people by believing in the gospel, that he actually will save us? Fools say no. Fools say God didn't say that. God wouldn't do that. But God desires still for the blessings of Eden to be taken to the whole earth and those still remain for you and for me today. It starts with us. The blessing is wisdom given to us to believe God and to fear Him. And it's wise to heed the call of God to obey His voice and do as he calls us to do, to bless the world around us. This excellent wife, this wisdom is more precious than anything in the world. It provides abundant blessing, is the greatest source of joy that we should proclaim. And wouldn't it be selfish if we just kept that to ourselves? Proverbs calls us to be wise, to take the wisdom of God as revealed in the scriptures to the ends of the earth. Why would Solomon write it if he didn't want to bless the people of Israel who would then go back to what God says in his word to go then bless the world around us? And when Jesus finished his ministry in Matthew 28, he gave his people a great commission to continue that creation mandate from Genesis chapter one, restored by Jesus' work for us. You're familiar with it, Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see it flipped up on its head to the person and work of Jesus? The curse of the garden is reversed so that we might enjoy the blessings of wisdom. And if we have those greatest treasures, The wisdom of God, Jesus Christ himself, as revealed in the scripture, I think our application for this entire series in the book of Proverbs is to go take the message of wisdom to the dying world around us, to obey the command of Jesus to go. The topics that we've covered of marriage and family, work, the nation, are all things the world around us gets to enjoy as common grace, right? As the church, though, we understand what they truly mean. Those good things that God created, he gives us to enjoy, but he also gives us them to everybody else to enjoy. But wisdom is winsome because we see what the scripture calls as wisdom is valuable, the blessings that it provides, and why it leads us to worship. One commentator said this, however high an orthodox view or a right view of God's law might be, a failure to actually do it says to the world that we do not in fact put much store by it. So do we believe the Bible is wisdom? Do we believe that Jesus is wisdom? Do we believe Jesus is the greatest source of value, blessing and worship that this world desperately needs? We can be honest, we needed that. And we still do need that. And so does the world around us. And before we believed the gospel, we were fools. Someone was wise to call us to the life that this word provides for us. To call us away from the death and destruction, the foolishness that we were living in, to the wise living and the life that God provides for us. You saw an email from me a couple weeks ago now, I think, where. There was an article surveying the census data and we rejoice, right, that the percentage of our state has now doubled for those who would call themselves evangelical Christians. We should worship God for that and thank him for that. But even though it's doubled over the last 10 years, 93% of the state still does not believe that. They're dying in their foolishness. I looked some things up. That's 2,500 in the town of Royalton. That's 1,800 in Bethel. It's 4,400 people in Randolph. 52,000 people in Windsor County alone. 600,000 people in our state still living in their sin as fools. And if it's wisdom and winsome for us, it should be easy to share that with others. But sometimes it's not, right? It's hard, we fear. We don't know what to say. So we allow the wisdom of God and His Word to call people to belief in Him and repentance. And we have the privilege, but also the command, to actually do it. Wisdom is not an unattainable philosophical idea. It's not this incomprehensible mystery or an impossible practice. Wisdom is a practical, present, faithful guide and companion for those who choose her. Lazy wisdom calls out in Proverbs 8.35, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. As Jesus, you, know, you can think about the members of the Trinity like guiding the writer of Proverbs. Whoever finds me finds life. Church, let's be a church that helps people find life. Wisdom transforms our own hearts, our relationships, and Proverbs 31, I think, is meant for all people. The foolish king showed us a desperate need for wisdom. The excellent wife displays the winsomeness of wisdom, and there's many in this world, especially where we live, with a desperate need for wisdom, and we have it. Many of the things that we see the excellent wife give herself to Are actually found in the New Testament as describing God's people she lets her candle or light not go out Matthew 5 16 in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your father who is in heaven or Paul says speaking of her honesty Colossians 3 9 do not lie to one another or how she is generous to those in need James 1.27 religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world the excellent wife is a faithful steward you can look at Matthew 25 she's clothed in strength Ephesians 6 she's not idle 2 Thessalonians 3 she bears fruit through the spirit Galatians 5 she's blessed you see in Ephesians 1 Friends, Jesus is the only king who lived, who wasn't a fool, and he did so, so that his bride, for you and I, the church, might be excellent. And we can call others to join the family and collectively rise up and proclaim how great our God is and bless his holy name. Wisdom is winsome because it is of utmost value. It blesses others, it leads to worship. So let's be wise. Let's be winsome ourselves. As we open up in a couple of weeks the book of Acts, I think we'll see some great next steps for us as a church as this church goes to the world following Jesus' command. Sometimes reluctantly, Jesus still gets them to go where he wants them to go. But we'll see this message of grace, this wisdom that the church finally understands extend to the end of the earth through a regular church, through ordinary means, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm looking forward to it. I'll close with Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. Whoever captures souls is wise. Father, we thank you that even though Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they were fools that resulted in death for them death for us and sin God we thank you that the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life God we thank you for capturing us through faithful men and women who have come before us to share the Gospel with us, to call us to repentance, to heed the call of wisdom, to see its value and blessing and drive us to worship. God, would you help us to do that for others? And so God, as we close out our time this morning, we, we pray again Paul's words because of him, you or we are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so God, we desire to boast in the Lord the rest of our time. God, would you, would you help us to boast always, forever the wisdom of God would always be on our lips to remind us and the ones we love around us of how amazingly valuable you are. God, we thank you and we praise you. Be honored in the rest of our time. Amen.